Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I'm JC, and I'm joined by Bonnie, Katie, and Leah talking about our one cool LGBTQ gal. Bonnie already talked about Leslie Gore, but before we dive back, Leah is going to tell us what's on the Gal's Guide calendar for this week. I am. I totally am. So for the week of June 13th through the 19th, on Thursday, June 16th, we are having our first film club meeting. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're actually doing film club. It's lovely. So we're going to be talking about the film Battle of the Sexes, starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell. It's a biopic about Billie Jean King. I'm meaning to see that. I know. It's really, really good. So uh, register for Film Club at galsguide.org and get all of the wonderful information and get to see um, the list of what movies are coming up. We are going to meet once a month. So Saturday, June 18th, check us out at the booth at Makers Fair on the Noblesville Square. We're going to have a Juneteenth activity as well as crafts made out of books. Nice. I made a book cake this week and it's going to be for sale at the booth. So 11 a.m. to 5. Check us out. And then on Sunday, we are also going to be at a booth. It's a weekend of booth fun. We're going to be at the Juneteenth Jubilee at the Nickel Plates Amphitheater in Fishers from 2 to 6. There's going to be artists, vendors, performers, food trucks, and a wonderful celebration of Juneteenth. So come see us this weekend. But I think JC has a random question for us first. I, <laughs> I want to know what your guys' favorite LGBTQ character in a movie or film is. Oh, dun, 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 dun. I feel like Bonnie's thinking. Can I go with the TV show? Yeah, oh, sure. Because sure. I got it. Why not? It? <laughs> if so. Yes. Schitt's Creek. Oh. Uh, David Rose. David Rose is great. I love it. And anytime I see on Facebook his quote about the different kinds of wines yes. he likes, I, I like love it. I read label. it more than once. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like yes. what's in the wine. Exactly. Yep, it's beautiful. <laughs> and he's just amazing. This is very, very true. Um, oh, my gosh. What's so tough? I'm just going to go out of um, sentiment. So uh, RuPaul's Drag Race has been not only like a wonderful, you know what I mean, show, outreach, learning so much more about the drag community and the gay community. Uh, but also to see Rue grow because Rue was kind of a little bit close-minded about transgender people being in drag show and then eventually has been warming himself up to learn, you know, and it's like, you know what? He's at least going, you know what? I don't know what I don't know. Um, but the sentimental reason is because my daughter and I would watch it together and it would be so fun and so freeing. And then my daughter came out last year. So it kind of felt like just watching that show with her, allowed her to feel like there was a community and there was a safe place to like come out and to see her mom like totally loving the show and so therefore loving the community that she's like okay this is gonna be fine (laughs) so sentiment rue Mm -hmm. (laughs) some would say i also named my cat after ruth bader ginsburg and rupaul because i call my little black cat rue all the time so both ruth Ruth bader Paul Yes, exactly. That's right. Oh, no, it's Ginsburg. That's what we decided. Yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. (laughs) Although I'm usually rejected on that, except for the vet office. (laughs) All right, Bonnie, who is yours? 
I'm, just, I'm having trouble picking one. Yeah. Who's your top to three? Think. Well, I, I recently finished watching. Um, shoot, what is the name of that show? Ah! Shit Creek? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Girls in the City, but I don't think that's right. There's a Girls in the City? Because there's no, Sex in the City. Not Sex in the City. Okay. Uh, is it Heartstopper? No, I'm just kidding. It's got. a popular one right now. That is my daughter's uh, favorite right now. It's oh, my God. Beckett. They're 14 now. It's, it's a comedy central show. I know. It is. The bo- well, there's the graphic novel and the Netflix show, right. and it's everywhere. It's lovely. <laughs> yes. Bucket is bugging the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who was it? What was the, in the show? City, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to just say R2-D2 is also my favorite gay character in 100%. movies because prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that joke that R2-D2, um, the only reason why you hear beeps and whistles is because he curses like yeah. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> he's, he's the filthiest. <laughs> the filthiest mouth in the galaxy. <laughs> that glorious R2. <laughs> That's what show? Broad what City. Movie? Oh, Rod City. City. Oh. Amazing show. I'm trying to pin down if there is yes. one specific character. Like, th- there's hints of, yeah, yeah. of the main girls who are besties that are like, you know, maybe we should just be in a relationship. <laughs> They're like, yeah. No, I just like think, I can't even think if there's a, well, the roommate is a, for sure, gotcha. a gay character. But, like, the whole show is just so inclusive. Yeah. And, like, everything. Right. With uh, gender and race. And it's just so awesome. See, so the entire cast the of Broad show. City. <laughs> yes. Got it. That is a genius. Yes. Love it. JC, what is your fave today? Oh. <laughs> I guess kind of like Bonnie. My favorite is a show. It's Ooh. called Black Sails. Ooh. And it follows Captain Nathaniel Flint on his essentially a revenge quest against the English Navy fleet. Right. Um, because, uh, and I don't want to give any spoilers, but because right, right. of very personal reasons right. involving the LGBT community. Oh, and nice. And so um, it's a very well-written story, mm-hmm. and which I appreciate. It goes right. on. It has a story to tell. It tells it in four seasons. Then it's done. It doesn't oh, drag on. Oh, nice. Um, maybe it takes some liberties with history, but... It's probably filling in the parts we don't know. Probably. And so, it's fun. And yeah. it, I enjoy it very much. Is it... Would you say it's a drama or would you say it's a comedy or... Oh, very much a drama. Okay, it's a drama. Yeah. Because have you seen Our Flag Means Death? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Which is very much a comedy. Right. Highly recommend. Yeah, that's like on <laughs> one side of the spectrum. Yeah, I feel like Black Sails is on the other. Similar kind of vibes, but one is very comedic and one is very. Drama. But you get pirates, right? So way, if you're you in a pirate lose. show hole, mm-hmm. Black Sails. Okay, I I did not know if it was really any good, so I'm gonna have to check it out. No, it's good. <laughs> I enjoy Fantastic. It. Well, who do you have for us, darling? So I have um, an artist of the name of Rosa Bonheur. Ooh. Um, she was an animal painter in France in the 1800s, Ooh. or um, another name for that is an animalier. Oh, look um, at that. <gasps> I think 
think JC can do French. <laughs> <laughs> I took enough years of it. I'd like to think I can. Nice. I know. I'm just so um, practice with that. I know. And well, and a little background on me. My history is in art history. So Perfect. I know I, this is kind of my jam. Yes. Um, and she's, so she was a painter and an amalier. She's credited as an early feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, she was openly a lesbian and lived entirely independently with Ooh. no need for financial support beyond what she made from her painting. And we're talking what time period? 1800s. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, and <laughs> nice. so she really kind of set a precedent and became a role model to artists like Georgia O'Keeffe and Frida Kahlo. Yes. Um, kind of, you know, setting your own trajectory and making your own way in the world. Um, Love it. And so a little background on her. She was born uh, March 16th in 1822 in Bordeaux, France. Oh my goodness. Um, that's kind of southwest of Paris. Okay. Uh, she was the oldest child in a family of artists. Her father, Oscar Raymond, was a landscape artist, um, a painter. Mm-hmm. And her mother, Sophie, was a pianist. Oh. Um, and taught piano lessons and all kinds of stuff, but was mostly a homemaker. Gotcha. Um, and her three younger siblings also became accomplished artists. Oh, so her, um, so Auguste and Juliette were also animaliers. They painted animals. Aww. And then Isidore was um, an animal sculptor. So Isidore. Yes. I love that name. Oh Isidore my gosh. <laughs> that needs, I know, that needs to come back. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, um, continue. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> all of her siblings, including her, were really kind of focused on animals it seems um it was a running theme um so the family moved from bordeaux which is kind of a rural area Mm -hmm. to paris in 1829 and rosa was about six um and she's noted as having been a mischievous active child i like it Um, she was sketching as soon as she could hold a pencil um, but she struggled with reading and writing in particular um and she recalled an idea that her mother had she says quote one day she had a bright idea. She told me to draw an ass opposite of the A and a cow opposite of the C and so on. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so she recalled this memory with great fondness for her mother and oh. teaching her essentially how to read. How to write. read by using the visuals of animals. Right. Oh. Um, and so I think that kind of. I thought it was going to be swear words, though. I was all excited. <laughs> an ass next to the A, uh-huh. a butt next to the. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like, this just is the alphabet best of... alphabet ever. It could be fun. <laughs> um, and uh, the family themselves, particularly. Clearly, Rosa's father adhered to Saint Simonianism. Uh-huh. Um, it's a Christian socialist sect that promoted utopian socialist values and a vision of universal harmony. Um, wow. And included total sexual equality. Yes. Um, and so, <laughs> sorry, I got very excited there. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Yay! I know this is something we can get behind. Um, and Rosa noted, "quote I was generally a leader in all the games. I did not hesitate now and again to use my fists. Um, a masculine bent was given to my existence." Um, and so about four years later, there was a cholera epidemic that swept through France. Um, and while her (laughs) siblings and her father all survived, her mother sadly did not, um, didn't survive the cholera. I know Mm. kind of that funky time in history where medicine was not quite all there. Right. Exactly. Figuring a lot of things out, a lot of trial and error, a lot of, let's just put leeches on you Uh and suck the blood out. (laughs) And I'm sure that'll totally work. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, and at this point, her father kind of said, try putting her and her siblings in schools to kind of like, well, I'm a full-time painter. I don't have time to right take care of my kids as in the same way that your mother did right exactly um, very 1800s early 1900s uh-huh. philosophy let's throw them in an orphanage or give them a job <laughs> exactly 
And so, um, but at school, Rosa was often disruptive and um, she was expelled numerous times from various places. I like it. And so um, (laughs) after a failed apprenticeship with a seamstress, her father undertook her um, in his studio to kind of train her and develop her painter skills. Um, By the time she was 12 or 13, Rosa was working in her father's studio and completed daily tasks. Um, these included pencil drawings of plaster casts, engravings, and still lifes. Uh-huh. Um, as she progressed, she made studies of domesticated animals um, in the pastures surrounding the perimeter of Paris. Gotcha. Um, so still very interested in animals. Um, and then at 14, she began copying paintings at the Louvre. Her favorites oh included uh, Nicolas Poussin and uh, Peter Paul Rubens. Oh. So she has kind of you know a, a classical background, I suppose. Right, as well. that Rubenesque. Exactly. She gonna have chunky sheep. Uh-huh. <laughs> chunky sheep. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and then around this time, when she got a little older, she began studying animal anatomy and osteology in the abattoirs of Paris, um, and even went as far as dissecting animals at the National Veterinary Institute in Paris. Oh wow! So really getting good foundational skills. Yeah. To, what's the bone um, structure? What's, what's the, the muscular exactly. structure? Oh neat. Um, and I don't know how familiar you all are with paintings that Bonnie made. Bonnie is, me uh-huh. and Katie just like to watch. Right. <laughs> um, it, but it's, you know, it can be a very sculptural process mm-hmm. as much as it is two-dimensional. Yeah. And so I think, you know, getting that, what the nitty gritty, what's underneath mm-hmm. all this is definitely good work. Yeah. Um, and from there, we kind of get into her early period when she was 19 her father leased in an apartment in Paris close to fields, farms, and animals for her and her siblings. Oh. Um, so she was allowed to keep as small animals there. Um, and that proximity really helped her and her siblings develop their skills. I feel like this is like Bonnie in another life. There was She had a little farm. She had lots of animals around her. I want to know the names of her, her critters. Exactly. I need to find that, honestly. I, think, so I bet cute. she kept records. Oh, I bet you. She's got to have named everybody. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that same year, in 1841, she debuted at the Paris Salon uh, with wow. two paintings, Goats and Sheep and Rabbits Nibbling, nibbling Carrots. Oh, um, And from then on, she exhibited every year until 1855. So for about 14 years, wow. she was exhibiting every year at the Paris Salon. Holy cow. Um, Big deal. I yeah. Um, and a year later in 1842, um, a family friend commissioned Rosa's father to paint the portrait of his daughter, Natalie Mikas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the two of them became very close and pretty much inseparable from then on. Uh, kind of childhood sweethearts kind right. of vibe. Um, and then in 1843, she was starting to sell her paintings regularly, so starting to kind of make this base income for herself. Um, and Natalie helped Rosa by tending to her clothing and sewing and cleaning the studio and kind of taking on this more traditional right. stay-at-home uh, mm-hmm. uh female role right and rosa was the breadwinner in a sense oh my god this is so cute Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and rosa was not at all shy about her sexual orientation Mm -hmm. um she's quoted as saying um i only like the bowls i paint oh Mm. i like it (laughs) um and so a couple years later in 1851 uh rosa uh, is you know getting along really well in her painting and she establishes a relationship with an art dealership mm-hmm. um, and this oh, allows wow. her f- for her works to be reproduced for greater viewership um, and so you know all of a sudden um, in the 1850s also you see this um, kind of growth in the English middle class and those mm. are and um, those 
patrons uh, were are really enamored with her work, kind of a pastoral, yeah, a lot of pastoral works, a lot of, um, you know, um, I guess celebration rural? of rural life because and, they're mostly in the city and right. they're working really hard in the city so it's kind of this remember back <laughs> when exactly. life was simpler or childhood <laughs> or yeah exactly nice um and in that same year in 1851 rosa started one of her most famous paintings if not her famous painting the horse fair um horse fair Ooh. Yeah. i need to look these up okay go ahead yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so in preparation for this work, Rosa visited the horse markets in Paris twice a week for a year and a half. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so really a lot of dedication and a lot of prep work went into this. Um, it was unusual at this time for a woman to be around the horse markets. It was very much a male-dominated venue and mm, kind gotcha. of trade. Um, and Rosa often complained about harassment and asked special permission oh. from the Paris police department to wear male clothes so that she wouldn't be harassed anymore. Oh. Oh, I dig it. This work is gorgeous, by the way. I'm oh, looking yeah. at, yes, the horse fair of 1835. Oh, my gosh. The light on the white horses. I know, right? They're so it. shiny and muscular. <laughs> <laughs> did they grant her permission to wear men's clothing? They did. So Yay! she gained permission to wear an artist's mock trousers and boots. Cool. Um, and because of her boyish manner and her new outfit, and she always wore her hair kind of cropped. Yeah. Um, she mm. was able to kind of sketch and go about her business undisturbed. She was able to like, do her job basically right. nice yeah. there you go um, her gender wasn't a hindrance on anything <laughs> that she was doing because it is just painting i know <laughs> and selling <laughs> it's a whole thing i love um, it and so author rosalie shriver describes its submission the horse fair when it was finally finished and exhibited at the salon of 1853 its creator was only 31 years old wow yet no other woman had achieved a work of such force and brilliance and no other animal painter had produced a work of such size yeah um so the painting itself was eight feet high okay 16 feet across oh my gosh whoa <laughs> this is bigger than most bedrooms i know <laughs> very large oh my gosh um, yeah and uh for those of of you who can't see this painting um it's filled with huge horses that kind of dash around the foreground they're being grappled by handlers and riders um and in between three kind of brilliantly dappled gray horses sits a rider on a chestnut horse it's believed that the figure with a blue smock yeah who has its face kind of turned to the vo- viewer and smiling is rosa herself really oh my gosh okay I'm so- oh i see it uh-huh. yeah. oh that's so cute <laughs> I will definitely make sure I put the picture in the show notes, but oh my gosh, I love that. Yes. Absolutely. I love that she put herself in the work. Yes. Mm -hmm. And after this, Rosa was made um, exempt from having to submit from, uh, submit further salon entries. Um, So at, what I assume this means is that there was kind of a juried process right. where you would submit it and then it would they get approved. They were cleared or something like right. that. Um, but from then on, she could kind of just submit whatever she wanted. Just You're tell good. us what size it is uh-huh. and we'll find a wall. <laughs> exactly. Um, and in addition to that, it also garnered her international notoriety. Uh, Queen uh-huh. Victoria uh, even invited her to visit England where Ooh. she met many notable British uh, artists and socialites and kind of gained this kind of broad circle of friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Queen loves her horses. So, uh-huh. yes. Okay. I can totally see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let the horse lady come to the castle. Exactly. With the best friends. <laughs> Uh, and she was a very busy lady from then on. Um, she managed her studio. She taught with her sister at a drawing school for young women that her father formally uh, directed. Uh, she traveled around Europe and much more. 
Um, she also continued to collect animals, which caused some family drama um, <laughs> as she traveled around and brought back exotic pets. Oh, um, yeah. Um, right. And, uh, you brought bring- home another llama? <laughs> I know. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> after bringing back um, an otter from the Pyrenees, uh, Bonner's brother-in-law notes, um, it had the bad habit of leaving water, leaving its water tank and getting in between the sheets of Madame Mikas's bed. Ooh. Uh-huh. Oh, a wet otter in between the sheets. <laughs> no. Probably not ideal. Not so much. No. Uh, and so, so cute. Yeah. Very cute, I imagine. Better than a snake. <laughs> I hope she, I don't know if she had snakes. Uh, Maybe. She seemed to collect a lot. Right. Um, so. And so that was 1853, and then she started traveling a lot. And then by the mid-1850s, by around 1855 to 1857, she started finding the the interest in her work and her life and the intense fame very distressing. Mm. Um, and so in the summer of 1859, she moved away from Paris and bought um, a chateau and a farm in the small village of Bay, gotcha. uh, which is about 47 miles from Paris. So okay. not too far. Um, by nowadays driving, it would take about an hour and a half. But, okay. you know, gotcha. I imagine it gave her the much needed seclusion that she needed. Yes. Um, and so... She was much happier in her kind of little secluded village. She spent her days painting in the forest and only invited close friends um, to her home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she continued to receive awards for her work, including the Grand Cross of the Legion of Honor in uh, 1865. Wow. This was received by Empress Eugenie. Uh, the wife of Napoleon the Third. Oh, look at you dropping mm-hmm. the Napoleon's reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Rosa was actually close to the couple, uh, and Eugenie is quoted as saying, "A genius has no gender." <gasps> Ooh, so they were a fan. Like that. Um, and sadly, uh, a couple of decades later, uh, her longtime companion Natalie died in 1889. Gotcha. Uh, leaving Rosa pretty much heartbroken, she said mm. to a friend. How hard it is to be separated, for she had borne with me the mortifications. She alone knew me, and I, her only friend, knew what she was worth. Um, and it But is... she had a relatively long life, her partner, right? Oh, yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they yeah. When they were, like, late teens, yeah. mid-teens, and then they, you know, um, uh, and Natalie was probably in her 60s when she passed. Gotcha. Um, and yeah. that, it's worth noting as well that Natalie was an artist as well. Gotcha. She was a painter. Yeah. Um, but she didn't But she was taking care the... of all of the, those right. animals. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so a couple of years later, Rosa had kind of recovered some of her energy and she began traveling around again. Gotcha. Um, it's at this point that Rosa meets with Anna Klumk, um, who's an American-born painter who studied and lived a long time in Europe. Uh-huh. Um, and at some point in 1898, there was a contract that was signed. Um, Anna would paint three portraits of Bonner and write her biography in exchange for a studio at the Chateau. Oh. Um, and so Rosa died less than a year later on May 25th, 1899. She was okay. 77. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Nice. Um, and her biography was published in 1908 by Anna. Gotcha. Um, the biography was based on Anna's own diary and Rosa's letters, sketches, and other writings. Cute. Um, she told the story of Bonner's life, how they met, fallen in love, and oh. how she became Rosa's official portraitist and companion. Oh, cute. Um, That's what my follow-up question was going to be. I'm like, well, did the two of them hook <laughs> up? They did. Yeah. Um, there was quite an age difference between them, but yes. I have a feeling that it was very much mutual and, right. and sexual and all that. Oh. Um, and Anna, in spite of the disapproval from her both her own family and Bonner's, was named the heir of Rosa's estate and presided over it the rest of her life. Ah. Um, and all three ladies are interned together in Paris. 
uh, Natalie is on one side of Rosa and Anna on the other. Oh, and that's so, so cute. Um, they kind of, so Rosa leaves this really great legacy um, due to her father's training and influences. Mm-hmm. Um, she approached her artwork as a profession rather than a pastime. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really rejected the expectations and binary gender roles. Um, while her contemporaries like Mary Cassatt actively painted scenes showing how women um, of the time lived in kind of social cages. Right. Rosa instead just painted what she wanted to paint. Instead of commentary, she was just doing her own thing. Yeah, I like that. She was yeah. living her truth. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and she did have some influence on Impressionism, especially towards the end of her life as she worked mostly outside of it instead of in her studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, overall, Rosa was a very fierce individual who kind of chose her own trajectory of life. And lived it to the fullest. Yes. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I have a feel-good story, too. Yeah. We talk about a lot of women that were pretty downtrodden or right. died early or mm-hmm. had these tragedies. Yeah. And that just sounds like a really rich life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially tortured artists. Well, and give her a right. hand. But a successful artist. <laughs> right. And so early in history, too, is, like, amazing. Because mm-hmm. wasn't Van Gogh, like, struggling around the same-ish time? Yeah, a little. I think they, it looked like they died time. the same year. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Just as yeah. that, that he contrast. He a little later. Because he was younger, right? Well, he, he, uh, he was yeah. younger, but he only, like, he died in his early 30s, I think. That's yeah. what I he thought. I knew he didn't make it to 40. He was for, like, 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he passed in 1890, so he passed before. Okay, Rosa. okay, gotcha. But they were probably both trying. Yeah, well, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, Rosa was, was way established, fully established. Yeah, he exactly. Was a success during his life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah true. Interesting. So he probably. It wouldn't surprise me if he had copied some of her paintings because that's what you do. As like, a, a, yeah, to loop. get better. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh yeah, that's very true. Because he was very much of like yeah. the. Uh, the farm life kind of thing. Exactly. I don't know how many times he freaking copied the, the sewer or whatever. Oh, There's that like one. 30 of those. <laughs> <laughs> I got a picture of them with their doggy, though. Oh, it does it say the doggy's name? No. Oh, I know. For some reason, this is something in history. The farther you go back, the the less you get pets' names. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not right. I know, right? Exactly. It's like, wait a minute. They probably <laughs> all had beautiful names. <laughs> no, that is a gorgeous piece that she I'm did. Oh, the dog's name is Crumpet. Crumpet? It oh, looks like a crumpet. Amazing name. Just because it looks like a crumpet it looks or because... It like a corgi. Yeah. <laughs> like a corgi and a chihuahua had a baby. Yes, uh, exactly. Like a chunky chihuahua. <laughs> that's what I have a chunky chihuahua but that's because she has wiener dog in her oh. <laughs> oh I love it did y'all have any questions for JC because I feel like JC like nailed it I was gonna say that was detailed mm-hmm. I know beautiful great information thank you, thank you. amazing inspired. person you picked yes exactly all the things the only snarky thing i had to throw out there was i looked at her horse painting and it just made me think of all those horse painting fails you see online uh. or people from history they're like draw me a horse and it's like have you ever seen a horse right yes, yes this horse is very from the true. side Right. We've all seen those memes, but uh-huh. no, she knows how to draw a horse. Yes, yes. she does. Are gorgeous. Oh, so geez. definitely check out the show notes to see her work yes. or Google it. I'm going to put more yes. stuff in the show notes. I love notes all cause... those. Of the... Has this artist ever seen a baby? <laughs> right. <laughs> those are so great. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for this week. 
Join us next week for another cool woman of history as Gals Guide podcast continues. Thank you for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening.